A weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, empowered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. everybody to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Sir with Insider Perks. Super excited to be here with you for our campground owner focused episode third week of every month. Excited to welcome back some of our recurring guests Whitney Scott from KOA, Candice McNamara from Stalus, Joe Dumeg from At My Community and two special guests here Joe Moore and Troy Haney. Is it Haney? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So we've got some unique people here and some interesting conversations to have. Let's just briefly maybe go around the room and reintroduce everybody if you'd like to. And we'll start with our recurring guests. Whitney, you want to start? Or? Sure. My name is Whitney Scott. I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategy at Campgrounds of America. So I look over corporate PR as well as research and just long-term visioning for the company as we grow. Awesome. Excited to have you here, Whitney. Candice? Sure. Hey, I'm Candice McNamara. I'm the Chief Growth Officer at Staylist as well as a partner. So we provide a really intuitive software that helps run operations, reservation software. Mr. Joe. Joe Dumig. I am the founder and owner of App My Community. We make mobile apps for campgrounds to deal with communication and guest engagement. I'm sorry. I didn't mean you, Joe, but go ahead, Joe. I told them all I was going to do that in the back end. Sorry. Go ahead, Joe Moore. I think we're lagging. Uh, no more. Yeah. Own and operate and manage. Yeah. Joe, I think we're having trouble well, hearing you. I don't know if it's just me. Okay. Yeah, we're lagging. Uh, so uh, we'll come uh, back to you. Moore's Campground Consulting. Joe Moore has been in the industry forever. Serves on the Ojai Board of Directors. I did your intro for you, Joe. Great consultant, but we're lagging and having trouble hearing you, Joe. So I don't know if you can maybe refresh or Troy. Yeah, hi, Troy. up in Caribou, Maine, owner of Casey's Campground, a new campground we built last year, and Split Speedway Event Center, co-owner of that. Am I broken, or is Troy's audio weird, too? It's possible I'm broken. Yeah, no, it's, it's doing the same for me. Okay. Whew. All right. Troy, I'm sorry. We, it was a little bit breaking up for us. So do you want to try again, or? Yeah, uh, Troy Haney, uh, owner of Casey's Campground we, that was built this past year. Also own Spud Speedway and the Vent Center up in Caribou, Maine. Yeah, it's still a little bit, it's still a little bit choppy. Maybe just try to refresh and rejoin or something. But we got the most of it. So Troy's from Lacey's Campground. He's got a really interesting and compelling story to tell us about how he got his campground started. It's, I'm really excited to, to hear it and, and how that plays out. Before we get to that, I know we're having trouble here with Troy and Joe's audio. For our recurring guests, is there anything that's come across your desk since you've last been on the show? I know Whitney's been a couple months. Obviously, KOA is doing a lot of great things with their research reports, and I think the North American Camping Report is coming up. I've been trying to like get Scott to tell me what's in it. He won't. 
I've threatened him. I've tried everything in my book. He says it's private. He's got an NDA. Well, I'm, I'm glad Scott's got it under wraps. Yes, it will come out in the next couple of months. Obviously, we keep everybody abreast as things develop from our monthly report, which has come out with some great detail over the last couple of months. Camping campers are coming out a little stronger from a travel perspective, which sometimes from the campground industry, there's we don't see that in the bookings. It's really about campers just traveling and they're traveling more and they've booked a higher percentage of campers have booked some sort of travel already this year, which is great. And that shows for the entire travel industry, which we are a part of. And what we're also seeing is that there's this trend towards some more family booking and group bookings. So a lot of these first time, these first bookings in 2024 are family reunions, their birthdays, their times to get together. And that's really exciting to see as it correlates to what people are really putting as priority in 2024. But we can dig in as you want to. But that for me is the highlight we're seeing right off the bat here this year. Well, let's do that for a second. We might as well, we got to start somewhere. So let's talk about, obviously it's been a couple months. You've got probably a ton of data that I should have probably read and haven't had time to do anything but I've skimmed over some of it. And so tell us, I guess it's been since 2023. So let's start with this, right? What does the outlook look like for 2024 for you from a KOA perspective, just as an industry as a whole, like from KOA's perspective of that? Yeah, that, that outlook really good. It looks really good for camping. I There's a lot of intent to camp, which is great as we're seeing, we've seen really good numbers coming from November and December in the entire camping base. Winter camping, I've been on this winter camping soapbox for a while, but we're really seeing those people not only having intent to camp during the winter months, but they're actually going, now we're tracking that they're actually going out there. And these, this group of campers have the strongest intent to keep camping throughout the year. So there's just, and it's, this, in, this group doubled in one year, which is why it's so impressive. It went from about 15% to 30% in one year. And it's not just about snowboard, snowboarding. It's really this person who is who will camp no matter what, no matter where. It's usually re related to some sort of winter activity, whether that is going to a beach or hunting, fishing in colder areas. So mm -hmm. I have heard anecdotally as well at some of the shows this over the past few months that a lot of the buzz around winter camping is there aren't a lot of campgrounds open or marketing that they're available to utilize in northern parts of the nation and in Canada where people do want to winter camp. So without giving away any secrets, because obviously there's benefits to being a KOA franchisee, right? Without giving away any secrets, what are some suggestions you're making to your properties on if they are open during the winter, how to make that more visible to consumers? Yeah, there, there's some, there just simple ways. Are you saying that you're closed? Because that's the easiest way to deter campers from staying for, with you. And I think there's just a, a conversation between campground owners is, am I closed? because my full amenity set isn't open. My pool is not open. I may not have a jumping pad. So am I really open? 
But I think for this winter camper, there, the expectation, at least in the northern part of our nation and in Canada, they wouldn't expect that. So it's just more of a learning and teaching process. And it's also correlating with the activities. So the last few reports have actually given a lot of what this winter camper is looking for. And so if you do, if you are near hunting, fishing holes, if you do have like winter snowshoeing activities, you're next to a ski hill, potentially more in that mid range, that kind of sunbelt area, making sure that you're talking about what is open, why it's important. Maybe it is a little bit cooler than usual in your area, but layers and fires are part of the experience of camping. So it's really just kind of switching your mindset from an operational perspective. It doesn't work for everybody. And I think that's okay. Winterizing a campground is hard. Opening a portion of it for winter is even harder if you're in a northern state. So I think there's just things to talk through and think about. Is it right for me? The other, what is important to know as we look at it, because we're mostly RVing, is that the top three types of campers that are utilizing winter camper camping are people that are looking to stay hut to hut, which is a type of camping that's like really popular in Colorado and Michigan. So that's more of a hiking. They're looking at public lands, but number three is RVing. So there is like a very healthy opportunity out there as this is trending and potentially can continue to grow. Wait, what's number two? It's like back, it's backcountry tenting, actually. So it's interesting. We've had a couple of people. I'm sorry, you were just lagged. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just saying we had a couple of people on the show. I think we had a lady last week who's from Minnesota who had the main portion of her campground with a water electric sewer hookups. And then she also had the carving through the woods of where you had to, it was rustic, but you had to maybe take a four wheel to get there. So she was serving kind of two different types of audiences. But I think we've seen some of those. We've talked to some of those people on the show before people who are trying to expand into that winter camping area. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that as we see this shift, and I know that's a broad term, all encompassing for all the things that are happening in outdoor hospitality over the last few years, but as we see this shift and some of the consolidation to more corporate owned, but some of the new blood coming in, even from younger generations, I think there's more of an appetite to stay open longer versus the, I've been running this for 40 years and for 35 years, I've always gone to Florida for six months to get away from those terrible campers who leave me bad reviews. And but I think that mindset's changing a little bit, right? I do think so, for sure. It's it, there's This is also just different types of campers. They have different expectations. It's very much, camping is becoming very much more experiential. So it's what can I do while I'm camping, not just camping is everything I'm going to do. And this kind of lends itself to it, is I want to do something, I'm outdoorsy, I want to do something in the winter, and can camping help me do it? So as business owners, I think you're right that there's a lot of corporate ownership that is looking about how do we stay open longer. I do think that even those mom and pop shops, they didn't, I don't think there was the camper there before. So now if the camper, if this continues and this becomes a larger market, I think we'll see some of those people being like, could we staff with one person? because we don't have all those amenities and needs to service while we still take our vacation in Florida because everybody needs a break. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the importance of 
the work that you do at, at KOA with your research reports and obviously your franchisees and the education and all that is just, you're one of the most visible organizations, obviously, in the industry. And for you to be able to say to not only the owners of the parks, look, here's an opportunity, but to the campers that now you're starting to see more of these parks open because we're educating the owners that there are opportunities. Like we're just pushing against headwinds where there just wasn't that audience for a long time. Probably honestly, because of both things, because we could always go skiing and snowshoeing and but there was never maybe yeah. the internet to disseminate that information to everyone. And to your point, Brian, too, there wasn't the gear that there 10 years ago, the gear level of ability from a, even from a peak perspective, it has really helped the ability for people to be out in the outdoors much longer in different temperatures. I think as RV manufacturing looks at this, a lot of the majority of RVs aren't necessarily meant for snow winter camping. So that is another opportunity as we look at this kind of bigger camping landscape. We had, and I don't want to go too far into this, but we had somebody on the show maybe a month or two ago, a couple of people probably who would make some of those, they're not an Elkhart, but they make some of the smaller, more rugged off travel trailers that are intended to go snow, mountains, BLM land, stuff like that. And one of the things I pitched him was like, there's this huge opportunity. And I talked about your report for winter camping to, we need a vehicle for people to go camping in. Like certainly some of these rigs are capable of being there, but if you're going to go, then there needs to be an opportunity for people to do that sometimes without the hookups because the pipes aren't buried far enough. So yeah, it's an interesting, there's definitely people out there that can come together to make it happen. So I was going to go to Joe. Well, Joe's back now. He keeps disappearing. It's like teasing us. Can we hear you? Can you hear us, Joe? I think we might still be lagged. All right, let's go to uh, Troy. So Troy, can you, you want to try to talk again? See if we can hear you. I can't hear you all now, but you're not stuttery. So maybe you're just muted. All right, Candace, tell us what's new in your world while we're waiting on these guys. All right, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, actually, I was taking little notes. Uh, Winnie, we're seeing the exact same thing over at uh, Staylist. Um, I think some of the really cool features that we're seeing is that generational pull. Now, of course, we're in more of the property management software area, but I would say one of the really unique features that I've seen over the last, I would say, two or three quarters is generational handoffs of property to millennials and a couple of other different group bases. So more of adaptation to new technologies and big conversations around marketing and automation for the first time, where that used to be like the scary touch part. Now people are really interested in it and they really understand it and they're adapting to it. So I'd say that I feel the exact same way. I am that backpacker. So I'm the girl that likes to get out there and experience the woods and really do that. But I have to admit that I have a lot of friends right now that are also remotely going on the roads and staying at some of these campgrounds and really kind of giving feedback in real time. Another, you're asking about trends, right? I just want to make sure. I'm asking about anything you want to talk about that seems interesting. Anything I want to talk about. Okay. Other really cool features, exactly what Whitney was saying around electricity. 10 years ago, five, even five years ago, talking about these companies like Wild Energy and Marine Sync, uh, really automating those processes and being able to winterize those parks has definitely become something totally different. It's really expedited over the last, from last season or last winter to this winter of people not really needing all the bells and whistles, but really wanting to winterize those even transient parks that they have and then using them interchangeably where it's 50% of the year or whatever the time that they're out, wanting to use automations, wanting to use electricity, 
generational handoffs, so parks that are going from one hand to the other, and almost more of a, a Disneyland effect when they actually go back into season. So the splash pads and everything that Whitney had mentioned, they're working around different optimizing ways. And that's been really interesting to see. The other thing too, to speak to some of those trends is we've seen a really big jump in groups and sometimes even overnights and deposit policy changes. So those are just a couple of small trends that I've seen that I could definitely pinpoint and say, we're seeing the exact same thing, even on a software angle. So lots of needs for more high-end features, point of sale, all in one. It just seems like the industry as well as the consumers are really adapting to wanting to move fast and to actually travel more often. So those so are kind of the trends we're I'm seeing. Curious, let's take this from a, like, I'm a campground owner and I, let's yeah. pretend that I've decided to stay open all year. I've embraced mm -hmm. what KOA is saying in their reports. I want to service winter campers. I'm doing my marketing correctly. I'm targeting the audiences, all those kinds of things. Or word is out. People know I'm open. How do I adjust that seasonal transition or do I need to on my things like my website, which is not a really a question for you, Candid, but on my PS, PMS system. And then to Joe, how do I do that on my apps? And then maybe we can throw back to Whitney if she has something to add. I'm sure she will. Sure. I can add from a property management software. It's been exciting to see people are adapting two-way technology. So two-way texting or even documents, sending email campaigns that really as well as the policies. I think we can so, hear you. I'm sorry? I think we can hear Troy now. We could hear him. Oh yeah. Hey, Troy. <laughs> we can hear you. No, you're good. Yeah. So I would say that ways that people are really adapting to this is pre-planning is something that I'm super excited to see a lot of these parks are really pre-planning. I've been to about 13 shows this year, or I guess last year into this year, and the attendances are way up. And it, that's where I'm telling, talking about some of those changes, but how they're adapting to winterizing and transitioning that, I think a lot of it has to do with people realize, wow, people are asking me and they're getting upticks in emails and phone calls and missed messages where they used to keep those parks closed they're opening it up and saying, how do I quickly winterize this? And so I think a lot of that through at least the property management software is via email, via text messaging, marketing. Let me, let me clarify, because what I'm really asking, and certainly I know KOA has a great system in K2. Yeah. Is it K2 or K, is K3 coming with me? Can you tell us that? Probably not. Okay. I think we're keeping with the name of K2 and just optimize. It's hard to rebrand. Right. Anyway, sorry. But you guys both have good reservation systems, right? KOA's got one, Stavis has one. So I think I'm more asking of the, now I'm on the website, I've learned about you, I know you're open. How do I communicate on my system where I'm showing the different site types and the amenities that yes, not only am I open, but here's why you're comfortable coming here because I have these amenities or here's a picture of someone camping in winter or here's those kinds of things. Yeah, so I would say it's automation. That's what we see is at least, and I don't wanna speak for K2 or anything, but I would say that it's chat boxing right? So a lot of people are adapting to chat boxes, getting a lot of questions in and out, and then they'll actually use software or their websites to target those people that are coming in and asking those questions. So really customizing what winter looks like versus what summer looks like. Okay, um, so that's, I think what I'm getting at, right? Swap out your fall pictures of the kids yes. playing in the water slide yep. for winter pictures temporarily. At Christmas. what point do you make that switch? How do you prep people? Do you change your site amenities and descriptions? Like when you go to K2 and you look for a reservation system and it's been a minute since I've been there, I don't have time to go camping anymore. But I like a thumbnail and then they list the different amenities, right, Whitney? On the bottom underneath there, it's of the site you're looking at. And so how do, do I adjust those? Do I need to swap them out? Do I need to say certain things are available for the four or five months that I'm offering winter camping? Like that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, display box is a big thing. So underneath it, people will say, hey, typically our season would be this way, but we've actually had a lot of people going into the system putting up Christmas photos, Thanksgiving photos. So I'm going to give, I, I want to pass it off to Joe though, because I know Joe has that more customization when it comes to each park and its identity. Before we switch to apps, Whitney, do you have anything from a K2 perspective? Okay. Yeah, I think that the broader thing that we would coach any franchisee on as they're trying to balance different segments, different demographics is don't, if you're, especially in a growth market, which winter camping is a very small subset of people compared to the overall peak season camping. So knowing that even as we sit here in February, there's opportunity in winter camping, the majority of your bookings that are going on are probably for your peak season and whoever your growth market is. So as you play with when am I going to be opening winter camping or if I am, or how do I market it? There's probably a variety of things we'd be looking at. When are you going to drive the, most of those bookings and marketing plays? Because then you might want to work on your webpage and kind of work on your system. But it would, another way you might want to do it, if you're like, I've got a lot of bookings for summer season, so I really need to keep a picture of that pool, you might say create a blog post or a landing page or something specific to winter camping where you drive people to, to explain the difference so that you can keep your cash cow marketing being your cash cow marketing for the majority of your bookings and still help encourage this new growth opportunity. Because really at any one given time, you're talking to many people utilizing your park for many different things. You've got tenters, you've got boomers, you've got peak season people, fall leaf peepers, and now potentially a new winter camping market. So you really need to understand, really have a channel focus and a market segment and a plan to make sure that you aren't turning off somebody by trying to grow a new segment, because it's, we all know it's harder to grow something than to maintain what you're already doing. And that's what I think that's obviously great advice, but that's what I was going after is what is that delicate balance between, I still need to attract summer campers. So I don't want to swap out all my site type photos for winter for five months because they could be booking for July and January, but is there a benefit to, I think you're probably right on the head from a marketing standpoint is that winter camping separate landing page that describes what you guys have, if that's what you're going to offer or something like that for a section. But Joe, what are you seeing? Is there like just yeah. a, a polar bear alert button that you put in the app or? <laughs> I don't know. I, we definitely would have a couple properties that might have polar bears around, but no, with the app, a lot of times, most of our customers that have winter camping that aren't down South, they have different campers those times, right? So the campgrounds that we have mostly that do this summer, they are tra more transient and then winter, they go more of a long-term stay. And so they make wide, like large changes to their app where some of our campgrounds might have day use in the winter, in the summer, but in the winter, not only do they not have day use, but all their campers are long-term. So they're fostering a community between campers, as opposed to engaging the campground with the resort. Transient is mostly engaging the campground with the resort. And then for our long-term parks, they do a little bit of that, as well as fostering community between campers. And they, when they switch off, I'm not really sure. They have full control to do what they do. And I'm not positive on how and when they switch that off, but they definitely will change things to, to foster the feel of the long-term or short-term camper. 
that's what we see mostly. But in terms of a polar bear alert, in Pine Valley Park. We don't really have to cover that, but okay. I know, but in Pine, Pine Valley Park in Ontario, Rosa just posted about this in our private Facebook group, is over Christmas, they did, they changed their colors to red and green. They sent out push notification, had a, a an on their app advent calendar where they were giving stuff away every day. And they would send a push notification each day and say, go to this entry and fill out this form or click on this website or do this or that to win something. And then just recently for the month of February, they did something related to Valentine's Day, changed their background colors to pink and did that just to engage with their campers in the off season. We have resorts that aren't open in the winter that will send out trivia questions in right around Thanksgiving or right around Christmas. And if you enter that, the next time you book, you get free firewood delivered to your site. But it's just a way to get those campers for their season to think about them early on, book earlier in the season, come more often, think about us before you think about them sort of thing. And, and then I wonder how many people actually turn in and get the free firewood. I have no idea, but... Yeah. That's what that's mostly what we see in that. The gift cards, right? Sorry? Like the number of people who redeem gift cards. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell me, is it fair to say that at my community is less of a and I know it is a marketing tool to some aspect, is it less of a pre-visit marketing <clears throat> tool versus a community on site? So yeah. what do you think is important for someone who's open during these different seasons to be able to communicate with their guests that might be different than the summer? Yeah. And it really depends on the park. Every park is different yeah. in the way they operate, but like our long-term stay parks, they will be more like communicating. Okay. Here are the clubs we have. Here's what's going on on this club, this club, here are the contacts. Here's our tournaments that we have set up for pickleball. Whereas transients, it's all just about the resort and the local area. So there's just, and even in that there's a wide array. If you're on the ocean, you're going to be putting in all of the information about the tide schedule and the beach ordinances and stuff like that. It, it, it very much, while it varies wildly between those, but to your point about the marketing industry, we get asked all the time, why do I need a website still? And that's the first thing I say, I say, your website is your marketing engine. It's to get people on your property. We have no plans to ever replace any of that because that's not what you'd use an app for. App is the engagement engine. It's the way to, while they're on the property, get the communication to and from your camper that you need at all times and not have to rely on handouts to get updated. Okay. I want to go to Troy in a second, but just Whitney, do you want to have, do you have any thoughts on that from the KOA app perspective or? Yeah, we see a lot of growth in the app and you, we see more and more bookings coming through the app every year, but to Joe's point, KOA.com is the heart of everything. You just cannot get as much information as the app can and the user experience is much more enriched sometimes on a de desktop. It's bigger. You can, you don't want to forget the website. We're not at that point anywhere. I don't even think in like big tech brands, they're just leaving websites behind. Apps are, but your app is equally important to develop. You, I don't, I think we're at a point in the, in our business where you need to have an app because people are so mobile ready that you need to be able to not only have your website be able to handle mobile traffic, but you also probably want to have an app, whether that's to service guests that are on your park, like upcoming events and things like that, or your pizza, or to service a brand like ours does. 
Yeah, and ultimately it's no different than winter camping, right? You want to start with the summer camping, which is your website, and then you want to expand your audiences to be the people who are looking at apps and the people who are looking at mobile and the people who are, right? So that's a great correlation. Yes. Okay, Troy, do we have you? Third time's a charm. We hope so. Hopefully this is a little better. It seems to be a little better. You're breaking up a tiny bit, but we're going to try. So, Troy, tell us about Lacey's Campground. All right, Casey's Campground, we had a tragedy in our family. We lost our daughter to a car accident. And she loved the outdoors, loved going to lakes, rivers, things like that. And we had purchased an RV. We had camped, we were avid campers ourselves, avid campers ourselves. Back and purchased a new camper, decided to utilize that. A little bit of the backstory is the accident home where when we pulled out of our driveway, we could see the spot each day. So obviously I thought it would be a good idea wife out away from the home and the RV, give us a break from the scene, if you will. We decided we thought, thought we'd like to do some summer living, things like that. Started looking for sites, and everything seems pretty full, as most campgrounds are today with the explosion in the campground industry. We decided that there needed to be a place for people to park. And started looking around, and of course, a small community of about 6,500 people. And there used to be an Air Force base here in the county that uh, years ago, Loring Air Force which was a big loss to the area and a lot of businesses had closed and went taking 20,000 people out of an area that left 6,500 behind would due to a community part of the city of caribou's desire was to we have this beautiful river the heuristic the history of that river was more utilitarian or industrial in the 1900s rivers were really the, the rail system ran by the river things like that for lumber different reasons but um, so a lot of the nice stuff that that happened down there of course has gone to the wayside today and left a lot of debris in, in the river so caribou's got this desire to rebuild the river the water path and they're working at that diligently and we thought, thought man what an opportunity to potentially invest down on the waterfront help get the project started for the city help show what could be done down there and also build something that's a little more Casey in memory of her. So that was the backstory of how we got there. We found three acre parcels, so it's not a huge campground by any means, certainly very small and it's a niche camp campground with about nine sites, so it's not big by any means. But we found a piece of property housed a, uh, a car scrapyard, if you will. So they large with scrap metal and imagine decades of cars being taken and then when they closed they left a lot of the tires and undesirable parts behind and come to debris and trees and things like like that so this is land that's been sitting there everybody and not done anything with it so we it was really a complete overhaul revitalization of the air taking the tires and the engine blocks and things like that that were left behind along the river cleaning that up, full rebuild of a nice campground with oversized lots that are 5,000 plus for campers to really enjoy themselves along the river. Guys, I know Troy's breaking up just a tiny bit, but I'm getting the gist of his story. Are you guys hearing that okay on your end? Okay. Troy, I'm curious, as you have come into this RV park space and learn more about campgrounds and how they operate and some of the amenities that people look for when they're traveling along the road, how do you, and maybe it's no different, but how do you balance that between 
wanting to preserve the memory of your does it change the way you operate the park knowing that casey might have wanted it a certain way i don't know that it changed it it may have influenced us to find things that she would have liked that we know she would have liked in what different walkways to, along there's a brook that comes in along the property and we basically have an old culvert if you will concrete culvert that comes through the rail a bit of a waterfall and again that was buried back in some trees thought that would be a spot she would think was really cool so paths put some seating there for people to go and enjoy the waterfall the sound of waterfalls and to relax at there's some of those amenities we've got and lots of wildlife in and around the area and and atv access to the to boats a lot of the things that she would have liked were already there we just had to open them up and extend do you have plans to continue i don't want to say improving but changing adapting do you have things that you're still on your list of things that you feel could change or adapt that would be more closer to what she would see as her vision of the park yeah we'll continue to try to improve and add some burn things like that more playground areas as far as the campsite we probably as far as we can go at this point and due to space required re, space situation what we have for the river and but we wanted to make each site feel in that was the goal so we outfitted a again being a small campground you can we outfitted each campsite with storage sheds so each person then they pull in and park they've got a bikes in and or whatever they might whatever they may have with them we've wi-fi with a hot spot in each site so there's no drop from one end of the campground to the other a lot of those sort of things things to just give people a great experience and we're lending ourselves that are looking for a place to live for the summer so it's not really an overnight camping it's more it's more of a small community that we've developed that people will come in rv for months at a time that's a not a great story but i think you know what i mean and i'm glad that you showed up and told us the story and i'm sorry you're cutting out a little bit but really appreciate being here and i think we want to let's try to whitney i know we have a lot to talk about do you have anything else that's come up in a, besides winter camping because we're headed into spring now do you have anything that's come up in the north american you can't tell us that the monthly report since we've last talked that you feel is worth highlighting? Yeah, I think one of the things too we're tracking right now is booking windows. Just trying to, while we've seen campers book travel, we also want to see, are they booking earlier? Are they booking later? And so one of the things is just part of it is to give campground owners an idea of what they should be expect, expecting as they see travel coming in is that majority of our RVers are actually lengthening their booking windows right now. And I think what we see that go towards is they want to get their spot at their campground for those key camping holidays. And that's what we're really seeing right now, the Memorial Days, the 4th of July, the Labor Days. Interestingly enough, we tracked this last year in the Omnibus. We were tracking a lot of pushing of reservations and canceling trips to later in the season. And we noted that due to weather last year. As we come into this year, we've actually seen that trend correlate into a very small trend of campers right now that are actually shortening their booking windows. The biggest portion of this, it's about 16% of the camping market say, I'm actually gonna shorten my booking window this year. And 
there's three reasons for it. One is, or two, two top reasons for it. One being work events, three, sorry, work events. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at different types of travel and then also weather related. And so why is this important? Why is this something that we're watching? We've seen something shift in one year that's now impacted a whole, a decision set. And it's important for campground owners, especially if you're, you service a lot of tenting groups or a lot of younger campers, because this is the highest subset of them. And so if they're shortening their booking windows, you might be looking at the report and seeing all this travel booking and not feeling it in your own reservations could be because you service a lot of this market who's I don't want to make a booking until I know that it's going to really happen. I'm not going to book for my June and July in my tent because of the heat wave that went through last year, or that I'm really unsure about work, my work schedule. And so I'm going to hold it for a while. So it, it could, it's something we're watching because it could grow as we continue to see weather evolving, as we continue to see work in office, not in office evolve. So it, it's just something that I think we should be aware of. And especially if we cater more to tenters or younger campers, you might actually be feeling some of this impact this year. I want to, booking windows fascinates me because we've had the same kind of conversations with our clients, but before we maybe lose Joe again, Joe, do we have you? Maybe not. This is really interesting. I wonder if I could time this to be delayed perfectly with Joe. I don't think it's going to work. All right. So let's talk about booking windows for a second. So I've had these conversations with both some clients and then people who call me for the first time and realize or think they need marketing and they've never done that before, but they're talking about this changing shift. And so I think a lot of it is what you're talking about. Do you think that some of the behavior is related to people are booking longer stays at yes, their favorite parks for the reasons that you talked about, but is there a, a mindset of, I want to stay one or two places instead of five or six this year? We are definitely, we've definitely tracked over the last few years, this idea of mixed travel. We talked about it a lot on like Memorial Days is that people are booking different types of travel inside of a trip. It's actually continuing to grow. So I think, while I don't have specific data off the top of my head, I do think that as people are going on road trips or as they're camping, they may not necessarily always be staying at one place. They may stay with family and then spend a couple of nights camping. We are seeing a lot of that in the data. And so I think there's opportunity in that for campgrounds is that even with people that have booked travel already, maybe they've booked a couple hotel nights, There's pro there could be opportunity to grab them for a couple nights on the back net end because they went, they're going to a wedding, but why not add a couple of days and go hiking and go camping? So I think there's something there as well, but I don't have specific data to what you're talking to right off the top of my head. I was hoping you did because I don't either, but the kind of the sense that we're getting, like the gut feeling without any data whatsoever, right, is that people are traveling less longer distances across the United States, perhaps this year than they have in the past, still going camping. But, and so we've done a lot of tightening on our Google ads campaigns and things like that to say, if you're in New York, maybe previously I would have wanted to reach people who were 
looking for Chautauqua Lake KOA, for example, right? Because if you type that into Google search, you're not looking for anything else except Chautauqua Lake, New York, especially if you can figure out how to spell that. But so we want to reach everybody, right? And potentially get all those people who are coming to the area. But I think we've seen enough data on our side that I can't really equate into a report, but that makes me say, I want to just target maybe New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana and, and tighten that up a little bit because they're more likely to convert. We will be releasing distance traveled in the North American camper report. So I will have something. Teaser alert. There is some of that in there. So maybe it's, I can't share that right now, but I will share it as soon as it's able to be released. I would say to that though, and I feel like I'm a broken record here is that depending on your, what, who your campground service is, there is a strong, there's a flip that happened in the last few months where more people are intending to road trip than camp, but a lot of people camp while they're road tripping. So if you're in a road trip market, you just want to be careful that you're not trying to really focus on your local business only. You still want to service that cash cow. It just might also be about being a little bit more flexible and looking at different opportunities. In the last few years, because camping has been booming, we've really only had to market to campers, people literally looking for camping. But now it might be something where we have to understand travel behaviors or greater travel behaviors to really get that consumer into the park. So it's understanding, are you road tripping? And can I grab you into my campground on that road trip? Because it, that's a completely different online journey and potentially search. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with you. I and mean, you think of all the low hanging fruit opportunities in winter camping, certainly is one of them, which you just talked about as one of them, but also the people who just love the outdoors. Maybe I'm going fishing, maybe I'm going hiking, maybe I'm wherever. I like going out on the lake or water skiing. All those people love being outside. So it stands to reason they would be less of an uphill climb to convert into people who would regularly go to campgrounds if they knew of your brand. Brian, if it makes you feel any better anecdotally, we're, we're driving about 2,200 miles to go to a campground this summer. Joe, not everybody runs a billion dollar app company. Oh yeah. But I was going to ask you and Candace too, uh, simultaneously, do you see just trend wise when you're talking to, and it could be booking windows or anything else, but just trend wise, what do you guys see from talking to all your parks? You want to go? So you want to? No, you can go ahead, Candace. Okay. So one of the things that we, one of the things that we're seeing is like everything Whitney is saying, hundred percent. Like we're seeing the exact same thing, but it's very specific to weather. So that's something that damage policies, all these weather needs and stuff like that, are really what's in transitioning. I would say another factor that we recently adapted. We already had it in the software for years, but it's been used heavily, almost 50% more than it was used last year is the flexibility calendars. So in the previous years, it was like they knew when they were coming, they knew the exact dates, they weren't as flexible. But we do see that we have these availability flexibility calendars, and we have heat maps on them. And we can see people consistently going almost weeks or months ahead of time, and then coming right back to the same dates and then choosing a totally different date than they originally placed in. So if that's something that you're looking for, that's been, I would say that is spot on, on some of the trends that we've seen. But what about unique Candace only stay list exclusive trends? Uh, <laughs> NDA. What do you want to know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what I don't want to know. That's the, or, or however that, I don't know. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's quite a few different things that we're seeing that are really unique and custom to our software in particular that we've been tracking for years and that we've just really seen set off that we didn't anticipate things that we almost were going to sunset that have really come back into the realm. And I think it's very, very similar to what Whitney's saying, which is like this kind of experiential park experience during this season and even from last season. So that that's as detailed as I can get for right this second. But if there's something specific you want, and I feel like I can divulge, I will. Literally, like everybody on the show is, but I can't really tell you. Yes. Joe, are you going to say the same thing? No, I'm, maybe. No, we don't, we don't know too much about the end camper in terms of their needs. A lot of times we're not in, involved in the bookings and things like that. I mean, they'll do bookings, but it sends them off to Staylist or whichever other booking software that they use to make the reservation. So we don't have a lot of insight to that. Our campgrounds not, don't really talk to us that much about that. But what I see is the campgrounds, they want experiences and automation. Those are the two things that, that they're looking for now. Five years ago, I was looking for automation. Campground owners were not. And now campground owners are wanting that. And so they're wanting when I they're wanting a resort experience at their RV resort. They want to, they want that word to actually mean something, which it hasn't before. You go to a resort that is a physical building and you never have to carry a credit card. You walk around from place to place. You have all your information. You have your key card in your pocket. All of that's done. And campgrounds are wanting, or resorts, our outdoor hospitality resorts are wanting to have that as well now. So that's things that we've been working on. And they also are much more inclined to worry about not putting things in one in two places like that. Before, I think that was less of an issue. Heck, they were managing their reservations on a piece of paper and writing it down all the time. So putting it in two systems online was easy. But now they're not wanting that. They want to spend out the time with their camper or, or not. They're wanting to spend their time not dealing with a lot of the stuff. Those are the things that we see. And then a lot more in the experiences, booking local experiences or finding local experiences through the app. That's what their customers are asking them for. So that's what they're asking us for, as well as concierge type things, which kind of goes back to the resort experience. But how can I use my app as a digital concierge? And so we kind of work with them on that and give them some ideas. And it really all depends on what their process currently looks like and what they want that process to actually look like on how we would advise them to do that. So I have two questions and I promise Candace is not going to pay me any money for doing this, but just Candace from a PMS perspective, and I know you can only speak to Stateless, that's why I'm saying this, and then I'll ask Whitney something similar, but from a PMS perspective with resorts, what kind of features, and again, I know you can only speak to Stateless, so this really isn't you selling, but it has to be in some ways. What kind of those features do you think that Stateless has that is important to people who are redefining this? what they define a resort as, if that's not a tongue twister. And then the, what I'm going to go to Whitney after that with is KOA was the leader in this space, right? Yep. KOA holiday resort journey. Do you see the definition of resort from a KOA perspective changing or needing to change in the future? So I'll give you some time to think about that Whitney, before I I'll let Candace. Okay. So ask me my question again. <laughs> you went detailed into it. You expect me to remember this stuff? I'm old. Get out of here. You're asking me. Okay, so here's the thing. But yeah. yeah, here's really like the 10,000th of you is this. Exactly what Joe just said about all-in-one platforming. That is, I would say, almost exclusively what people are asking for. They're also asking for these integrations to App My Community, to Campground Views, to Wild Energies. So I would say that this all-in-one 
platform is definitely something people are looking for, that concierge effect. And I really see people building memory experiences and exactly what Whitney was saying earlier. And even with Troy, where he was talking about putting those personal touches, they're enhancing them to almost like a Disneyland effect. So a couple of things that we're seeing specifically at Staylist is an adaptation to a point of sale system that allows people to order online, like a DoorDash, um, and then opening that to their general community. So that way it builds buzz around them. Or RFID bands, which are just essentially that Disney effect where they're just scanning and going. So cashless light parks. These are some of the experiences. And that kind of all bleeds into the same kind of mantra of what at my community is doing, where they're getting that experience where they're seamlessly walking through and they're really just experiencing the park and making a memory with their families, but also on a much more higher end than was previously seen. So I would say that those are some of the pieces and parts of what most campground owners will come and say, I need help with understanding and making sure that my accounting is accurate. I want to make my park cashless and as seamless and as easy as possible for people to walk through and buy as much as they want. And I want them to remember the experience that they had with us, like Disneyland. And I think KOA has already adapted that. So I'm going to segue that back to her. But I would say that those are some of the glitz and glams and changes of parks that we've seen. And this isn't just Northeast or Midwest. This is across the board. So. All right. Take it away, Whitney. Candace, definitely talked about a lot of the things that we see from like a technology piece of a resort experience. I think I would even start with us that it all goes back to this definition of outdoor hospitality. And what does that mean? And I think that we're, as an industry, we know, but the consumer has potentially a different definition of it. And we're re we went into that in our report last year, and we'll dive deeper into that this year. So from an experiential set, it's, it's definitely how this technology and the experience, the physical experience tied together end to end looking to repeat business is how is that experience constant? And then when you bring in kind of those resort elements, because we do have, we actually have a resort brand in KOA, there's definitely pieces that we want to look at and elevate and showcase a park. But from a just outdoor hospitality perspective, there's just things that we think that every camp, every one of our campground has that kind of helps that expectation really come to fruition. That being like being able to have text messaging to guests. You know, if a park does want that cashless charge to site, RFID bands, those are things that, you know, as the campground industry kind of looks at the hotel industry, those are resort-like features and functions that potentially more campgrounds will start having at their parks. From a design perspective, I think there's even things that we've been doing that really kind of upgrade campgrounds into a resort-like feel. We released the signature site last year. We actually have those live and bookable at our Myrtle Beach KOA Resort. And these are sites that take up two to three normal RV sites that just have a lot of kind of upgraded resort-like features at the site themselves, whether it's a camping kitchen or paw pens specifically for that RV site, gazebos. These are, this is an idea that is kind of like an exclusive site that could maybe be like 
a the meeting spot for a family reunion so that if you're camping with a group, there's an, a built-in site that you can go to and be together as a group or family. So these are, it's technology, it's design. I think there are resort-like features that the campground industry is always developing from a resort, KOA resort brand perspective. I think there's things that, that we actually have a committee that recently met a couple of weeks ago about how their brand might develop in the future because we, it's crazy to think about, but it was developed 10 years ago and there's always a point where you're like, do we innovate? Do we change? What does it mean for us? So I think there's potential there as well. Yeah, I think that's what interests me more is that, yes, from the KOA perspective, generally speaking from the resort brand perspective, is as you talk about these new technology pieces that come in from RFID bracelets and tying everything together and smart energy meters with wild energy and whatever else, right? Is there a changing definition of what it means to be a resort? Because I think there are probably some KOA holidays that are really close to the edge of being a KOA resort as it's currently defined today. And I'm not going to sit there and say, do you think that I'm not going to put you in that corner, Whitney, but just generally speaking, from a resort standpoint, I wonder if there are certain things that could make a resort without the traditional definition of it. Yeah, I think it for sure. I think as consumers mind change, minds change and adapt and all of our campgrounds grow in amenities and services, that it it's prudent on every one of our brands to relook at it at point in time because brands, even as they come out with, this is who we are, if you don't take a look at what your kind of core products and services are, you're going to outdate yourself because consumers are going to change past you. So I think it's just that evolution that we're coming to a point where it's okay, let's get together. Let's look at this. And I, I do, it's funny that you say that about holidays because some of our holidays for sure have wonderful resort-like amenities. And really our brands are meant to make sure our consumers understand what they can expect. They might be wowed over and above for sure, but they at least know that, hey, a journey has this, they're more, they have a lot of pull-throughs, they have in their store more RB-specific accessories. And then maybe at a resort, it's I can expect that there's going to be food at the location that I'll never have to really step off to get anything else. So it's more of an expectation than a full, like you we would never have necessarily like a journey holiday and resort right there together because it's, yeah. it's more about the expectation. Here's an interesting data point. We released our report on reviews in January, but I'd be interested to see a study on whether holidays get more five, holidays that are closer to resorts get more five-star reviews because they are wowed more because the expectation was lower in some ways than coming into a resort. That would be an interesting data point to have someday. But but they're not good, better, best. I know, but what I'm saying is that if you're marketing yourself as a holiday, but providing more of a resort level experience, then there's more of a potential for a guest to be wowed versus coming in and expecting a resort. You have to deliver a little bit more to wow them into a five star, I think. Generally speaking, not from a KOA perspective but just generally overall. Is that fair or no? You can say no. You can tell me I'm an idiot. I, it was surprising to that is so in, and because I can only see our customer data 
about our customers is that a lot of our journeys actually have really high scores as well as a lot. It's really, I think there's a really, it's really about your, gosh, I'm back on my marketing box. I really think it's about how that campground is setting expectations and then delivering over and above no matter, regardless. And that's what we really trade is that no matter what you are, your service and amenities, if you can provide that, that wow factor and that you're present, you're there, your yellow shirts service is on par, like that, that wow factor is going to be there. hundred percent. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Just the holiday and the resort is a small part of that or a big part of that marketing piece of overall setting those expectations. So I know we're a little bit over today. Anybody have any final thoughts before we go? I have no? one. Oh. Just I thought about it later and I'm sorry because I answered wrong earlier. We were talking about winterizing and 100% what Whitney said is build a landing page, send that traffic there, don't mess with your cash cow. But one thing that is, I will release, exclusive to you, Brian, one thing that has been crazy this last winter is we have storage models. And so a lot of our parks that had never even done anything related to winter events have been opening up their parks to bring in storage and allowing those spots to be filled throughout that season for when they open. And it's similar to like when I was at Amazon, they had the storage pool for tractor trailers. And so that's just something that speaking to a campground owner is not something that's out of the scope. So long as they are winterized, you're not getting that antifreeze all over the place. But those are things that a lot of our clients have adapted over even just the last couple of months. So I just wanted to end the note in there. If you're trying to make a little bit of extra money and not have to do any work or have people overhead on there, that's something that has definitely popped up. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everybody being here for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Joe, I'm really sorry we couldn't get to you, couldn't make the audio work, but just send an email to Shar. Shar is actually watching this right now. Let's get Joe back on and try to, because he's got a lot of valuable stuff we want to pick his brain about. Has been in the industry a very long time, so we'll try to get you back on, Joe. Troy, really appreciate you being here. You got to, again, I want to default by saying great story, but you know exactly what I mean. I just perhaps can't find the right words for it. Yeah, but it, I would add real quick to that. Maybe look at that a little different is yes, we had a trap. We are taking the first steps to help the town rebirth, have fun memories going forward. Families will have fun there. And so we want to look at the positive side of that. Yes, we had a tragedy and we're going to make the most of that and turn it into something beneficial for and for people that are out camping. It's a truly inspiring perspective. I don't know if I would be that good if it happened to me but it's great to hear that you are so joe thanks for joining us as well another week and then whitney of course for sharing all your valuable insights and data and we will see you guys next week on another episode of mc fireside chats take care guys see ya thanks bye thank you thanks for joining us for this episode of mc fireside chats with your host brian searle have a suggestion for a show idea want your campground or company in a future episode email us at hello at moderncampground.com get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com and be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality